Amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. Will you stand with me today? As you stand, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us today into the presence of the Lord. At the very end of Luke chapter 24, in verse 46, we find some of the last words that are recorded by Jesus, by Luke, that Jesus is speaking. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This morning we're beginning our Easter series we're calling One Name. Jesus, we pray as we've worshipped and your name has been at the focal point today that as we hear your word today that you will speak to our hearts and our souls and our spirits and bring change and renewal and revival within us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As Christians, as Christ's followers, as believers, we all know that the foundation of our faith is based and built on one name. The name of Jesus Christ. If you take what we believe as Christians and you line it up and you stack it beside all the other beliefs of the other religions of the world, you'll find some similarities that bleed from one to the other. You'll find some belief systems that believe some things about Jesus. But the thing that makes us as Christians and our beliefs different is that we draw a line in the sand and we say that when we talk about the name of Jesus, that His name is above every other name. Well, that was a good spot for a real good one. Let me say it again. When we draw a line in the sand and we say that we're different than every other religion, we're saying that on the basis that there is one name and His name is Jesus. Oh, there you are. Y'all going to help me preach this morning. Here we go. See, if I start looking at the different religions of this world, you'll see some things that are different than what we believe as Christians. If you look at Judaism you'll find that they believe that Jesus walked on this earth, but they do not believe that Jesus fulfilled all the messianic prophecies that were coming before Him, so they don't believe that He's the Messiah. As a matter of fact, Jewish people do not believe that Jesus was divine, nor do they believe He was raised from the dead. If you look at Islam, Islam believes that Jesus 
was a great teacher. They believe that he was born of a virgin, but they don't believe that he was the Son of God. As a matter of fact, the Quran states that Jesus did not claim himself to be divine. And people who believe in Islam believe that Jesus wasn't even crucified, that God just took him up to heaven. If you look at what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, they consider themselves to be Christians, yet they do not believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. They don't believe that Jesus was divine. They believe that the Holy Spirit is just some special force out there and not a person. And then if you hear what the Latter-day Saints, the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons... I'll give them one thing. They got the longest name of any group out there. And I'll give them something else. They've got some slick commercials and productions and publications. They do a great job with evangelism. Even here in Rinkin, you'll see them with their bike helmets, their white shirts, their black pants, and they're getting after it. They got a beautiful facility here in our county that, that's a beautiful church that I hear is paid for. But... Don't be fooled. Their beliefs about Jesus are different than what we believe. They believe actually that there's three different levels after the afterlife. And, and if you're a pretty good person, you'll go to one of those levels depending upon how you live. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to believe in Jesus or God to have an afterlife in the Mormon church. They believe there is hell, but they believe it is only for the worst of the worst of the worst sinners. Now here's the tricky part about their beliefs. They believe that Jesus is a God, but guess what? They believe that you too can be a God. So then we slide over to Christianity. What is it that we say that we believe? As Christians, we believe in one God eternally existing in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We also believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, which where, if you're listening, all those others' beliefs, the thing that's different is they don't believe in the divinity of Jesus. But when we say we believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father, we're saying we believe that Jesus is divine. We believe that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We believe that Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And we also believe that He ascended to the Father and today is at the right hand making intercession for you and me. So when you think your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling... We believe that God is sitting on the throne with Jesus at His right hand, listening to your prayers and talking to the Father on your behalf. Amen. Well, that's encouraging today. I'm even encouraged as I, as I say that. But where do we get in Scripture this idea of one name? We can look at the prophecies given about Jesus. We can listen to what the disciples who lived with Jesus said about Jesus. We can hear what the apostles that came after the disciples have to say. And if you rewind back to Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah talking about the baby that would be born said this. 
For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Those are the words of Isaiah. Fast forward over to John chapter 1. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, is baptizing in the Jordan. And John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, walking down the road toward him. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John The apostle at the end of his book in the gospel of John. John chapter 20 says this. He says, everything I have written, I have written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. You go over to the book of Acts. We find Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And as he is wrapping up that powerful sermon where three thousand people come to know Jesus he says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit two chapters later Acts chapter 4 Peter's preaching again and Peter says salvation is found in what no other Name in no one else, for there's no other name, one name. Everybody say one name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You go over to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, and Paul is talking about the place that God has set Jesus. Do you want to know where God the Father sees the Son? This is what it says. Paul says, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. One name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. It's like Paul saying, I'm going to cover every person who's ever had breath on this planet. Those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every one of them will at some point declare that there is only one name. Well, what did Jesus say about himself? In John eight fifty eight, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. John fourteen six, Jesus answered and said, Philip asked, How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And this is what America needs to hear today. No one comes to the Father except through me. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus is on his way back home. And he says to them, All, everybody say all. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
one name. John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30. Jesus is talking about how he is a shepherd and how the sheep listen to his voice. And he says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then at the end of the book, Revelation twenty-two thirteen, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega. You want to say it with me? Say it. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Everybody say amen. amen. So when we quote Isaiah and John the Baptist and John the disciple and Peter the apostle and Paul the apostle, they all clearly say that Jesus is the only way. I have no idea what the Quran means when it says that Jesus never said he was divine. They must not read the same Bible that I just quoted only four or five scriptures to you about because it was very clear to me, anybody else, nod your head if it was clear to you, that Jesus said, I am God. I am the Son of Man. I am the way and the truth and the life. Ain't nobody getting anywhere. That's good old grammar for you right there. Ain't nobody getting anywhere close to God except through me. Amen? How many of you are ever in traffic and you see a bumper sticker that makes you laugh? How many of you see a bumper sticker that just makes you ill? That's what we'd say in North Carolina growing up. It just makes you ill. Mad. That's not sick ill. But this one right here kind of aggravates me. Anybody ever get fired up about seeing that bumper sticker? I learned something this week about that. That coexists that you'll see all over the place on people's bumper stickers. It actually was created by an artist who was at an art convention in, in Israel. The original coexist only had the Islamic star and uh, moon on the far left, the star of David in the middle, and the Christian cross on the end. But through the years, things have been added to that, that now we've got not just the Islamic crescent moon on the far left, but we've got the peace sign. We've got the male-female symbol. We've got the star of David. The eye has a nice pentagram. Oh, that, that really gets you close to God, don't it? A, a pentagram. And then you got the yin-yang. Now, can I just say, Christian folks, let's just put that yin-yang where it is. All right, let's get rid of the yin-yang. Because the yin-yang has nothing to do with God. Yin-yang is a symbol for a Chinese religion and philosophy called Taoism or Daoism. So get rid of your yin and your yang, okay? And then you've got the Christian cross hanging out there on the end. Now here's what I want you to see and what I, the reason why I wanted you to bring that up. Because that coexist, it feels good, don't it? See, we live in America now in a culture where it says everybody's equal. Even men and women are equal and the same. That's not true. Men and women are equal, but we are not the same. And all the women said amen, and all the men say amen. We are equal in God's sight, but we are not the same. And a culture that keeps trying to tell us that we are not the same is from the devil himself. God created, first part of the book, male and female, he created them. Amen. Rabbit trail, okay, I'm off of it. But... 
We live in this culture that says this is the way that we should view all religions and everybody who doesn't believe like us. We just need to coexist. Let me tell you what Jesus would do if he was here. Would Jesus go have breakfast at the huddle house with a Muslim? Absolutely. Would Jesus go with a yin-yang person on their bumper sticker and have a conversation with them? Absolutely. We love and respect the person as Jesus would do and as Jesus did do. But there is not equal room at the foot of the cross for all religions. There's not. We can't, in our effort to be politically correct, sit around and try to hide and, and not say what we need to say. We need to treat people with respect and we need to love people. We don't need to look down on people if they have a different religion than us. Jesus set the bar. He was out having lunch and suppers with, supper with the tax collectors and the sinners all the time. So that tells me that we are required to have relationships with them. But when the conversation starts, can I encourage you, don't ever back down from saying, well, let me tell you what I believe. I believe in one God, in three persons. I believe in the Trinity. And I believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God. And I respect you as a person. I respect what you say you believe. But you are totally wrong and I still love you anyway. Jesus was the master at speaking the truth in love. Lord, help us all to be a better job, do a better job of speak the truth in love, right? Amen? So I, I can't even begin to say in my life that there's only one name if I believe any part of that baloney that's on the screen coexist. We love, but we don't say we're on an equal playing field. Because ultimately... The Christian faith is a very exclusive faith. We're not exclusive that we don't include people, but the word exclusive means shutting out all others from a part or share. We are exclusive in the sense that we say what we believe, there is nothing else that we want that can that we can get in a gray area about what we believe. We believe this book, it's very clear about who Jesus is and about what it takes to get to heaven, and that's what we believe. Can I hear an amen? Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Or am I freaking y'all out this morning? All right? Maybe you're like, we already knew that. Move on to something else. Okay, I will. So, do something different this morning. Don't ever use this, but I, I, I want to show you something this morning. So if we're saying today... We've said that Jesus Christ is the one name, right? As we begin this series over the next few weeks heading into Easter, laying the foundation for mentally what we're thinking about, okay? Let, let's look at this together this morning, all right? So we've got Jesus Christ. And here's, here's what I want you to see today, all right? This name, Jesus, is the Greek version of the Hebrew name anybody know Joshua you got it all right Jesus means Yahweh is salvation that's what the name of Jesus means it also can mean 
Jesus saves. Or it means the Lord saves. Look at this on the screen. Matthew 1, 21. The angel appears to Joseph. The angel is trying to talk Joseph into not divorcing Mary. And in the conversation he says... She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, the definition of his name, which is Savior, and the Lord, the God, the one who saves, is found right there at the beginning. And let me tell you something else too, okay? The name Joshua was a very common name at that time. But only two times in the Old Testament do you find the name Joshua. Now I know you know what one of them is. One of them is Joshua that we find him in uh, Deuteronomy. We find him in uh, Numbers, the first time in Numbers 13 when he's heading out with Caleb and the spies. Remember that? And we find him in his own book because we know that Joshua was the one who succeeded Moses, right? Okay? Then there's another Joshua. And this Joshua is found in Zechariah chapter 6. But you didn't know about that Joshua, did you? Now we know that this Joshua in Deuteronomy and in Numbers in the book of Joshua, he is... Israel's captain. After the first time that they go into the promised land, he is Israel's captain taking over for Moses going into the promised land. Then you've got this Joshua in Isaiah chapter 6. He, at this time, is, is uh, I can't spell, is Israel's high priest. The second time after the Babylonian captivity, when they go in to take back over, there's a guy named Joshua who is the high priest at that time. So if you're playing along and following this morning, here's what you're seeing. You're seeing there's a few words that are sticking out on this board. First of all, if we're talking about the name of Jesus, we sing it, we say it, but sometimes we mindlessly do it and not think about what the meaning is behind it, right? Will anybody else admit that, okay? I'll admit it. But at the core of what Jesus is all about, it's right here. It's salvation, it saves, it saves. Jesus, the name, is the one who saves. Yahweh is salvation. That's what Jesus is all about. And then you see, <laughs> sometimes we talk about types and shadows and things that show up in the Old Testament that are speaking to what's to come. You see Jesus in the Joshua's of the Old Testament because just like Joshua was the captain of Israel's army, Jesus would come to be the captain of Israel's army. Just like Joshua in Zechariah chapter 6 that you didn't even know about was a high priest appointed by God. Jesus would become the great high priest appointed by God to hear us pray as we go into the Holy of Holies. Alright? That's only half of it. Is that good? Okay? Then we come over here to Christ. And Christ, woo, I'm juggling. Christ is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah. 
and. Messiah means and Christ means anointed one. Jesus means saves. Christ means anointed one. Now, look at this. Anointed one. All throughout Scripture, we find all these examples of how Jesus, the predictions that there would be one that was come that was anointed one. There's, there's a prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 that says, From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. Don't worry about all the numbers in there, but that's just a prophecy that says there is an anointed one who's coming. In Matthew chapter 1, at the end of the genealogy of Jesus, it says this. After begot, 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 we get down to the end of the begots and it says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. You could put in there the Christ, y'all going to help me, or the anointed one. Then you turn over to John chapter 1 verse 41. Andrew is called out to become a disciple. And the scripture says the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and say, said, we have found the Messiah or the Christ or the anointed one. John chapter 4. Jesus is sitting having a conversation with the woman at the well. Remember this? And the woman at the well says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I'm right here. All right? The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. So what does that mean, the anointed one? What, what does anointed mean? That, that, that's one of those... Uh, it's one of those big church words that we hear a lot. You know, we pray for the anointing. God, anoint us as we speak, as we pray, as we sing. God, anoint our services. We may anoint someone with oil. But what does that word anointed mean? It means, there's a couple of things, but it means set apart. Set apart from everything else for God's work. And then the other thing that it means is empowered by God. You go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, I believe it is, and you'll see in that that Samuel pulls David out. He's, remember, he's called all of Jesse's sons looking for the one to be king, and the Holy Spirit and God speaks to him when David walks in front of him. He said, that's the one. And what does it say he, he does to, I almost gave it away, he does to David. It said he did what? He anointed David. And he set him apart from all his brothers. And the scripture says that at that time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David and he was empowered to do the work of God. David had such a knowledge of the anointing that even knowing that he has a call on his life, knowing that he is set to be the king, he finds Saul in a cave and instead of killing him, he says, all his buddies are saying, take Saul out. This is your opportunity. You've been on the run. He's trying to kill you. And he says, I will not touch the Lord's 
anointed. Even though that anointing, we know, had been removed from the life of Saul. And we talked about it a little bit last week. Saul was miserable so much to the point that he hired David to bring his, his harp in and play for him to bring uh, solace and comfort to his soul. But that anointing means that he was set apart and empowered by God. And Jesus comes along, and we're following, following, tracking with me. Here we know that Jesus, His name means salvation. It also means the Christ, the Messiah, which means the anointed one, which means Jesus was set apart, one name, set apart from everyone else, and empowered by God with the Holy Spirit to do what He did. Jesus empowered and anointed to be for us prophet, priest, and king. That's what the anointing does in the life of Christ. So, one name, Jesus Christ, anointed, anointed to do what? Anointed, oh, I'm going to preach. Y'all don't have to. I like it, though. Anointed, number one, to lead his people as the shepherd. Shepherd is one of the many names of Jesus. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. You know how many names there are of Jesus? Forty-eight. By the time we finish this series, we're going to at least touch on all of them. Okay? You don't look that excited about that. You're going you're gonna to know the names of Jesus over the next few weeks. Weeks. I'm only going to do four right here, okay? So you're okay. Or maybe six if we count this. Or seven or eight. We've already done three. Jesus, Christ, anointed one, Messiah. So Jesus is anointed to lead his people as a shepherd. I read a little bit of it a while ago. But in John 10 verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And he says the good shepherd does what? Lays down his life for the sheep. But looking ahead through prophecy, Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, he says he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. One name. Jesus is justified to carry and be the one name because he is the only one who can lead like a shepherd. Who is worthy to be followed like a shepherd. He is the only one who can lead with the love and gentleness of a shepherd. Here's another one. Jesus was anointed to teach and preach as master. It's another one of Jesus' names was master. Look at this verse in Matthew 7, 28 and 29. This is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus starts with the Beatitudes. He ends with that verse that we used a few weeks ago during the marriage series about building your house on a rock. And when Jesus is done, here is what they say. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching. Why? Because He taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. What do you think is on that board behind me that gave Jesus the ability to teach as one with authority? The anointing. You're right. 
The anointing allowed Jesus to step on the scene as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the anointed one and teach like nobody had ever heard before. He was the master teacher. And we can call him one name. It is justified because no one else before or since has taught with the authority of Jesus. We can talk about Confucius and we can talk about all these other people who've come along through time who we've lifted up as great teachers. But there's never been a teacher, a preacher who was the master teacher as Jesus. Amen? Jesus is one name as shepherd, one name as teacher, and another one as servant. Jesus came and was anointed to serve others as a servant. If somebody is going to come and be the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God, you would think that he would be driving the biggest BMW through Jerusalem, just getting it and letting everybody know, I'm the man, not Jesus. Jesus' name is above all other names. Not because of all the other things that we lift up to Him and about Him. It is also because He was a servant. Jesus said Himself in Mark 10.45, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but, say it with me, to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. A while ago when I was reading all the different descriptions of the apostles and the prophets and the disciples and what they had to say about Jesus remember what Paul said the whole thing about there's no other name and at the name of Jesus everyone should bow well right before he said that in Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 listen at this he said for Jesus being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather He made himself what? Nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus deserves for his name to be above every other name also because he didn't come to be served but to serve. There's never, you can, we can go through all the list of all the things that Jesus did and was, but guys, I'm going to tell you, that one, that is one that really sets him apart in a way that you won't, that he won't be set apart from any other religious leader in the way that Jesus was a servant. Here's the last name I want to share with you this morning, and that is, he was anointed to perform miracles as Almighty. Part of his name and his character is that he was almighty God in the flesh. And John, at the end of his book, in John 20, verse 30, he says these words, The disciples, us, we saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs. In addition to what's in this book, it's like John saying, I have exhausted to write down every one that I could, but there are so many that we couldn't even get them all in the book because Jesus did so many things. Part of what he did was being the miracle worker, was being almighty God. That meant that Jesus performed things as and under the anointing as he's going around saving people as Jesus Christ. 
And he goes around and performs miracles like feeding 4,000 and 5,000. Miracles of provision. Providing the water into wine. He performs miracles like casting demons out of people on a regular basis to prove and show that he has power over the enemy and over demonic forces. He has miracles such as finding the temple tax in the mouth of a fish and the miraculous catch of a fish to show that he is the one who is over all nature and all created things because he is almighty. We see Jesus healing the blind, the mute, the deaf, the lame, the paralyzed, the crippled, the diseased over and over and over again to prove that He is a miracle worker. And if that's not enough, Jesus walks into places where there's a funeral going on, turns it upside down, and people are raised from the dead because He is Jesus Christ, the Almighty, the Anointed, the set apart by God, the empowered by God, the prophet, priest, and king and one name above every name just the the, the tech we're, we're doing textbook theology this morning this isn't we're not hanging from the from the from the uh, whatever those are the lights I was going to say chandeliers but they're not chandeliers we're not hanging from the lights this morning but do you know sometimes you just need to sit down you need to Think about the cognitive part of what's on that board this morning. The, not just the emotional side that feels good, but the cognitive part that says it all makes sense why we can say there's only one name because His name is salvation. And He did it because His name is the Messiah, the Anointed One, and He proved it. It's like I was talking a couple of weeks ago about that whole thing about the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and how we'll put that name on sports heroes and different things just to, just to be, you know, just to do something that's cool and say, well, he's the greatest of all time in his sport. He's the GOAT. If somebody's going to be the greatest of all time at something, they better have the stats to back it up. When I'm talking about the greatest name of all time, I'm looking at the stats to back it up. And you know how many names we've talked about out of 48 this morning? How many is that? Eight. We got 40 more to go over the next few weeks. We've only covered a little bit about it. And this is where we land this morning on this. Kevin, if you'll come. See, Jesus, He's not just, we don't just get excited about all this. But all that He is and all that He did, He did it for us. He did it so that we could have a part in that. So that this morning, if you've got sin in your life today, you're away from God. He is Savior. We say that because this morning if you need direction in your life, He is the Good Shepherd. 
who promises to lead you exactly where you need to go. You can trust Him when you follow Him. He is the master teacher. And some of you right now, you're going through something in your life. You're in a, you're in a, a season of life lessons. And you're in, the, you're in God's schoolroom and God is teaching you something about Himself. He is the master teacher. Sit up straight, sharpen your pencil, get out a fresh sheet of paper and listen and learn from the master. Some of you need today to just to trust the teacher. Some of you here today, see God gives us that example of Jesus as servant, not just for us to sit back and say, wow, what an incredible servant of God Jesus was, but to speak into our, our hearts to say, you know what, God has maybe gifted, not maybe, He has gifted all of us with gifts, talents, and abilities for us to use for His glory. So maybe God says to us today, there's something, there's a gift you're hanging on to in your back pocket that God wants you to use to serve Him. And because today He is the Almighty. That means that the miracles of provision that Jesus did while He was on earth to provide the 4,000 and the 5,000 with food and find a piece, a coin in a fish's mouth and all those things that Jesus did, that same provision is available for you today. If you need provision today, Jesus is the Master Almighty Provider. If you need a miracle today, Jesus was all about walking around healing the blind, the mute, the deaf, the lame, the paralyzed, the diseased. If you need a physical miracle in your body today, Jesus is Almighty. In that name, that one name, everything we need is found in that name. We stand this morning. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you this day and I hope He is. I hope you're listening. And maybe this morning God is saying, Jesus is all you need. That thing in your life that you're thinking about today, He has got it. He is in control. You can trust Him with that. As the worship team comes, we're going to get ready to sing as we close out today. And as they come, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come right behind them. I, I want to invite everybody to come up this morning and we're going to close in prayer together today. If you will, come and let's come up real close this morning. step up real close so we can we can get everybody up here how many of you would, would just raise your hand this morning and say pastor I need today I need Jesus to be the great shepherd over a situation in my life 
I need God's direction over something in my life today. Will you just raise your hand? Let me see that hand. Amen. Jesus is the great shepherd. That's who he is. He will lead you. You can trust him and you can follow him. How many of you would say today, I need a miracle? I need a miracle of provision in my life or I need a miracle of healing in my life. I need a miracle in my life today and I need to call upon Jesus, the Almighty in my life today. Let me see your hand. You're going to call on Jesus, the Almighty, the miracle worker today. Amen. How many of you would say, I need to call on Jesus, His name that we started with today. I I need some forgiveness, some guilt in my life today. I need to be forgiven of sin in my life. There's stuff that's between me and God, and I need to make some things right today. Anybody be bold enough to put your hand up and say, that's me too? Amen. Amen. Bold enough to say, I need forgiveness today. I need forgiveness every day. Whatever it is that you have need of today, He is enough. Under that umbrella and that banner of one name, you can can find your answer today. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to go to the Lord in prayer today specifically. Sometimes we're not specific enough with God. But there were times when Jesus walked up to people and He said, What do you want me to do for you? So this morning, I believe Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Do you need me to be almighty today? Do you need me to be the great shepherd today? Do you need me to be the great teacher today? Maybe you're going through something and and you just need God's direction for that. Whatever it is you say as we go to prayer, Jesus, this is what I need today. I'm calling on you to be Savior, to be Master, to be the miracle worker to be almighty to be shepherd to be savior whatever it is be specific as you pray today Lord